that's been the thread for this past month. Moving across the lines. Taking the next step. Uh, Three weeks ago, Noel Castellanos, the head of the Christian Community Development Association, came and from this pulpit, he, he said, I, I just need to know. When I became a Christian, I just need to know that Jesus is not just for white people, is he? For people of privilege. Will we in this community do more than just write checks? Will we be like Jesus and go to places where people do not look like us? And then we followed that up with the idea of continuing the conversation so that each Wednesday night we would talk specifically in a dialogue rather than just one person telling people what they should think. We can argue and question and see what our next step might be. The second week, we moved across the lines by telling the story of Jacob and Esau. Instead of big cultural things, we said Reconciliation is intensely personal because there is so much that divides us. And the next step there was that I asked you to think of a broken relationship in your life. A way that you could step across that line and bring peace of whatever level before you meet at the other person's grave. And then last week, we had what I thought was just a powerful experience together. Hearing the story by Ray Norman of how he and his daughter were almost killed and the story of how God used that terrible time to remind us that ideology divides, but only the gospel Only the gospel has the power to bring us to a place where we can forgive and be united. And those of you who are at the table with Mary and O'Shea heard face to face from people who had experienced the bitterness of loss and the power of grace. So, today we want to pull that all together. One of our staff members said, I feel like these last three weeks, we got the conversation started. Now we need to find ways to say, it's your turn. It's your turn to pursue the reconciliation that God so much desires. Not just for the world, but God desires for you. I, uh, I felt like as I watched the kids' sermon that probably relatively few of you would realize that that's a biblical story. It it occurs three different times in the Bible, and we don't recognize it. We hear it every Christmas in a different melody. And it begins with Isaiah the prophet. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace and salvation and say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen. Your watchmen lift their voices and shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they'll see with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people and redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth 
we'll see the salvation of our God. And if that sounds familiar but you can't place it, it is the theme, one of the key themes of Handel's Messiah that we hear every year. How beautiful are the feet. It also is repeated two other times in Scripture. When something is said more than once, you ought to take special note of it because it's a theme. The prophet Nahum echoes Isaiah. Look, there on the mountains, the feet of the one who brings good news, who proclaims peace. So celebrate your festivals, fulfill your vows, for peace comes. And the Apostle Paul, in ways that we'll talk about starting next week in Lent, talks about the good news. He said, but how can they believe the good news if they don't hear it? How can they hear it if somebody doesn't go and talk to them? That's why it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. As Deb tried to explain to the kids, you don't think of stinky, dirty, hurting feet as beautiful. And so it needs to be explained. Rich Mao, the former president of Fuller Seminary, came here one time and preached from this passage, and and Rich said that you need to imagine that there has been a war to deliver some of the king's people from oppression raging in the country across the mountains. And it's an ancient city, so there's no email, there are no telegraphs. There are only people who anxiously look to see what will happen. They look up to the mountain passes to see if their children who are soldiers will return or if they will lose. Finally, they see a person stagger into sight. The runner comes down the mountains and gasps out, just give me a second, just give me a second, falls to his knees. People surround him. Can you imagine what would have happened if the next words out of his mouth were these? Boy, you guys cannot believe it. Those mountains are beautiful. I saw some incredible scenery. I almost wanted to stop and build a little chalet up in the middle No, 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 that's not what I want to hear. Well, maybe, what if he said, you know, I really feel good about myself for that long run. I I, I only stopped twice. I think I made it in record time. Let's talk about the route that I took. No. Or if the runner came and after he got his breath back said, it's pretty amazing that out of all the people on the other side of the mountains, I got chosen. By then, people would be wringing his neck saying, tell me what's the news. And if his next words were not, God wins, God reigns, peace is coming. The message is repeated that the feet of people who bring that kind of news are beautiful. Because God is still sending messengers out into a broken world to say, come home. Come home, the war is over, I bring good news. But I gotta ask you, When people see you going out of church and going into school or going into the store or going to work or to the club and they see church people coming, do they think, oh, here comes somebody who has great feet. Here comes somebody who's bringing me good news. I don't think so much. I think when our society sees church people coming, they often feel like like we are coming with news of judgment. That we come to them out of these churches with a message that says you are not measuring up. That there is a cultural war between the way we're going and the way God wants us to go. 
that there is condemnation that comes from the church instead of good news. And so there's a distance, a distance between the church people and the other people. I heard a group of young leaders talk on Friday, and one of them says, distance makes for demons. Distance makes for demons. When somebody's at a distance from you, you can demonize their position, so somebody has to go across the lines. And what we are saying this month, and have spent an entire month saying it, is we believe that God is calling you to go. But not just to go and tell people about the message of judgment, but to bring good news. How can you and I be messengers of good news so that people are delighted when we show up at the party? So people miss us when we're not at work. So that we are blessed for bringing reconciliation and hope. What stops you? What stops me from bringing good news to school? from bringing reconciliation. I think sometimes it's because we've been hurt and we're too proud to go across the line. Or we're afraid that if I go in there and I'm the only one who has this liberal position, this conservative outlook, this view, I'm afraid that people will not take this well at all. Some of you don't cross the lines because you are determined that you will not go first. They were the ones who hurt you. But I gotta tell you, I think what stops most of you, what stops me is that I'm clueless. I'm just sort of cold, I'm oblivious to the needs around me. And that happens until one of two things happen. One, I think people are called to cross the lines when it becomes personal when there's a need for a relationship that is broken to be made whole. I believe that's true for many of you. I think that God is telling you right now that you are to not heal that, but to go and say, what can make this better? When we preached on this, um, somebody uh, posted a note on my Facebook. That's got nothing to do with this sermon I just wanted to let you know I have a Facebook page. (laughs) Facebook is doomed. (laughs) It's over. But somebody posted a note on Facebook, on their Facebook page, and they said, I just heard a sermon today about reconciliation. Would you please pray that if I get the courage to go and talk to my son, he'll listen to me. When it gets personal, God may be calling you. The other time I think that you and I are called to bring our feet of good news across the lines is when God opens our eyes up. When we get off autopilot and God opens us up. I'd like to show you an example of that in just 57 seconds of how somebody's life was turned upside down and they had to do something about it. So serendipitous the way all of this occurred. Alex and I were up on date weekend in Sonoma, and we were drinking wine and eating cheese and blissfully unaware of a lot of the evils in the world, and we stroll into this gallery, and there was one photo in particular of these two boys, roughly my daughter's age, who have these giant rocks strapped to their heads. 
Alex starts weeping uncontrollably, shaking, thinking that that could be our kids. They go out and they work and they get really sad and they cry and whenever they cry and try and run away, bad things happen and it's like living a nightmare. She said, I want to free 500 of these kids. And it was this gigantic, audacious goal and we're thinking, okay, wow. Talk to us about this. And we said, well, that's $150,000. How are we going to do that? And she said, I could sell my lemonade. I want to free 500 children just like me. I didn't know this was happening. I want to free them. I don't even know how much money $150,000 is, little Vivian says. But I can sell my lemonade. To hear the rest of that story, you'll have to wait for the movie that will come out. But it's a powerful story. Because little Vivian saw somebody her age and said, God does not want it to be like this. And she became a messenger of good news, willing to cross the lines. So I want to encourage you that you would go. But I also want to say it's not just a matter of going. It's a matter of going in a way that you bring good news. You don't just make things worse. You don't just confirm the prejudices of other people. How does what you come with become good news? Can I suggest that it's that way only if it comes through our heart first? You will not be able to bring good news unless you yourself have received grace and hope. Do you believe that you are a beloved child of God? Do you really, down in the core, believe that when you wake up, God goes, thank goodness you're awake, let's go! Or have you just become a good person? Good person are scary people to be around. People who come with good news find that that happens only if the messenger and the message are saturated with humility. So often, we come with good news and we want to set people straight. The messenger who brings good news comes with humility because it's not about them at all. And the way you can tell it's not about them at all is that people who bring good news listen more than they talk. They listen better than they speak. How are you at listening? One of my friends says that he knows that he only is doing real reconciliation when he can tell the other person's side better than they can tell it. How about you? Can you do that? We come with good news if somehow that news makes the other person know that they are as precious to God as we are. We so often divide it up into right and wrong, saint and sinner, good and bad, Republican and Democrat, straight and gay, us and the other It is only good news if the other person knows they are as precious to God as we are. Do you start the conversation that way? It only becomes good news if it's not about us winning. If it's not about them winning an argument, but instead coming to the God who is the source of good news. One of the things that struck me so much in this issue about gay marriage and gay faith and gay ordination was a guy who said, I became convinced it was not my job to win the argument, 
It was my job to bring them to Jesus and let Jesus deal with them however Jesus wanted to. That was a light bulb that went off for me. It's not my job to win the argument. I am certainly supposed to share my convictions, but to do so in a way that loves them so that they believe they are as precious to God as I am and that brings them to Jesus so Jesus can do something. This idea of crossing the lines is something that I think really is your call because it has something to do with Jesus. In the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul says, Jesus has broken down the wall that divides us. Jesus breaks down the dividing wall. In other words, God goes first and breaks down the wall, and now our job is to follow. It's still uncomfortable, but we don't have to climb the wall. We go through the gap that our God makes. We cross the line to tell someone else that they are as precious to God as we are. Last night, we, uh, we had a team of about 11 people come up here, and they knelt And we bless them because they are going across the world to go across the lines. They are going to Bethlehem and Jerusalem, Nazareth and Tel Aviv, to learn from Muslims, to learn from Jews, to learn from Christians if there is any way to tear down those terrible walls. And we found ways to bless them to bring good news of peace to everyone they meet. Can I tell you, I think that's powerful, but it's not as tough. It is not as tough to cross the world as it is to cross the street. It's not as hard to cross the continent as it is to cross the bedroom. That God wants you to bring bring reconciliation into your living room. God knows where you and I need to go next. Is that reconciliation about forgiveness in a relationship? Is it about learning to have conversation about a divisive issue, whatever it is, where there's us's and them's? Is it learning to go over to the them's and find a way to talk about this that leaves the other side, if not convinced, at least feeling better about you? God knows where you need to go next. Is God moving you to go past writing a check? Don't get me wrong. I want you to keep writing the checks. Is God calling you to go past writing the check to be the feet of good news with Urban Ventures, to tutor, to love, to get to know face to heart with someone else? I believe God is calling you to cross the lines at school, or at work, or at the club, or at a soccer match, or in your bedroom. You need to ask God where next. Laura came up last night and said that she felt like God was telling her to become more aware of the person that God wants her to walk toward instead of walking away from today. God, show me the person that I want to walk away from and give me a little courage to walk toward them today. I don't know about that. I only know that God is calling people in this room today to be messengers who bring good news. 
that the God of grace and beauty and glory is coming to them. I want to be part of a church community that when we leave this place, people don't go, oh, watch out, here they come. But people look at us and say, oh, great feet. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Lord Jesus, I, uh, I thank you that you have been with us all through this month. And whether that was about forgiveness in a relationship that is strained, whether that is about learning to participate in a discussion where people just scream at each other, whether that's a call to cross the lines of comfort and privilege to a new land where we can serve. I pray that you who comfort the afflicted will afflict the comfortable this morning. And I would ask you just just in this moment to bring to the face to bring to the heart of every person here a face or a word that you are calling them to be a peacemaker with.